heard a good, I heard, who is this guy? Well, yes, I am not Pastor Tom. Pastor Tom is away this week. His daughter, Madeline, is getting married. And so we figured that was probably a pretty good reason to let him be away from us today. But we're very excited for the Brantner family and all the exciting things that come along with that. And so we're thinking about them today. We miss them, but we are excited for them as well. And I'm excited to be here. I would like to echo Christina in saying happy Father's Day to the fathers in the room. Um, I also know that there maybe is some tension when we talk about Father's Day. Maybe some of your relationships with your father was not great. Maybe it was non-existent. And we acknowledge that that is a reality as well. And so we want you to know that we love you and you have a heavenly father who loves you despite maybe the relationship that you had with your earthly father. And so I just wanted to say that. I know that oftentimes we can kind of brush past that, but I just wanted to say that I I see you, I acknowledge you, and God the Father still is crazy about you and loves you so much. So yes, so I am a father to a two-year-old tornado. Um... I feel like I always have to differentiate that my son's name is Micaiah, and so if you hear me referencing Micaiah ever, I'm not talking about Pastor Tom's daughter named Micaiah, but uh, our Micaiah is a little bit crazy. He, uh, he runs around and does things that cause me to shake my head and wonder what is life sometimes, but I, I feel like I, to kind of cope with the craziness that Micaiah brings into my life sometimes, I need to find some hobbies that just help me kind of check out of the insanity that's going on around me, and I can kind of just go to my happy place, go to my hobby. And uh, I, have, I have a couple of them. One of them is I really love to grill and uh, smoke meats on the charcoal smoker. It, I'm on a, a, I forget if I talked about this last time I was here a couple months ago, but I love barbecuing. I have a whole bunch of buddies that we always send pictures of the stuff that we're barbecuing. We're super nerdy and totally geeking out on like barbecue accessories and different spices and stuff like that. It's kind of lame. I also really love mowing the lawn. Um, Don't tell too many people that because I don't want to mow your lawn. I want to mow my line and I'm obsessed with the lines that are created. You can ask Christy, my wife. Um, I kind of just will stand at the window after I've mowed the lawn for a couple days and I'm just like, man, like, Total dad thing. Can you just look at that? That's just incredible right there. I love mowing the lawn. And, uh, but probably the weirdest hobby that I have picked up, um, and this is something that I've picked up just in the last couple months after, like when I was a kid, this was my go-to hobby. I did this all the time and kind of got away from it for like 20 years or so. And coming back to the hobby in the last couple months, but it's the hobby of sports card collecting. I'm a huge sports fan, love all the sports, basically. I'm even a Formula One racing fan. I cannot wait for the Canadian Grand Prix this afternoon. It's going to be awesome. But I, I just collect sports cards of any sport. I love it. I can't get enough of it. And you're all rolling your eyes because it's lame. And I know, I just want you to know, I know it's lame to collect little pieces of cardboard with athletes on them. I get it. I want to acknowledge that. I am weird. But I love it. I can't get enough of it. And uh, it's crazy enough that I've actually started sending this random guy on YouTube $2 a month. I'm one of like hundreds of people that do this. And it's also that he can buy sports cards, mostly hockey cards, and he can record himself opening up these 
cards and showing us what he gets. So I don't own these cards. These are not my cards. These are cards that he is opening and he is putting on YouTube. And I send him $2 a month to help fuel this addiction that we both have. And I don't even get to enjoy it at all except YouTube videos. And those are called breaks, card breaks, where people will open cards or or boxes or cases even, like literally boxes of boxes of sports cards. And I will watch YouTube videos of other people doing this. Please don't judge. You probably have weird hobbies as well. I am acknowledging that this is a weird one, but I love it. I can't get enough of it. And there's something that you will see in these YouTube videos, these, these card breaks, and it's, it's called a decoy card. Basically, when you have cards that are a little bit more valuable, you will have this little piece of cardboard called a decoy card. It's the same size as the cards themselves. And basically, you cover the card with this decoy, and, and you slowly begin to reveal what the card is. Usually, you go from like the top to the bottom, and you'll slowly begin to reveal until you can see what it is. And let me tell you, some of the reactions of these people, when the card is fully revealed and they look, and it's an autograph of their favorite player, or it's a rookie card, which sometimes are incredibly valuable, valuable you will have these grown men and women who run around the room in joy because this card that they have slowly revealed can sometimes hold value of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, I don't own any of those cards. That is a little bit above my pay scale. But it is incredible to watch these adult human beings get so excited by a slow reveal of a sports card. Now you're like, Thaddeus, you lost us about eight minutes ago when you started talking about sports cards. Why are you talking about the slow reveal of a sports card? Well, I believe that there is something to be said about a revelation. Whether it's a slow reveal, whether it's a quick reveal, something to be said about a revelation. And not a revelation in the terms of a silly sports card being shown, but I'm talking about something of much greater significance. Go to Proverbs 29:18 if you have a Bible. If not, it'll be on the screen, or if you have a smartphone, you can do that as well. Proverbs 29:18. If you have been to church at all when you were growing up, or, or if you've attended all your life, you have probably heard this verse before. If this is your first time, or if this is the first time in a long time, maybe this verse is a little bit unfamiliar to you. But that's all right, because I'm going to read it to you. And it goes like this. It says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. There's another version of this verse. It's kind of maybe a little bit more popular with some people. And it says this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, this verse, they both start, where there is no, and that next uh, word, whatever translation it is, in the original Hebrew text, this is the word chazon. Can you say that? Try that with a little bit more gusto. Chazon. Very nice. Yeah, it kind of makes me think of the word pazon, which I used to work at Pizza Hut, and we had panzerottis, and they were called pazones. This is not that. This is not a, a pizza-related delicacy. This is chazon. And this word has several meanings, like every word in the original Hebrew language. This word has several meanings. The first meaning, the first definition is the literal one, like vision, to see something with your eyes. 
It could also be interpreted as a, a prophetic vision that you know somebody is, is given a word or a picture by God and they share it with other people. But there's a third definition, and, and that's the one that we are going to be focusing on this morning. And that's the definition, and it, it's the context of this verse as well, but hazon, or chazon, is being used to communicate this idea of God revealing himself or God revealing something to you and I. Sometimes we will read that verse and we'll, we'll kind of automatically go to this idea of like visionary leadership or like, you know, having a purpose or having a mission and, and that's all good. But for the context of this verse, remember last week, Pastor Tom talking about Old Testament scripture and the scripture as a whole is contextual. We need to understand the context. And here the author, King Solomon, he is saying that where there is no revelation of God to humanity, People cast off restraint or people die. And so that's, that's where we are going this morning. We are going to be talking about God's revelation. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much that we are able to come into this place without any fear or concern about our safety, our well-being. God, we don't take that for granted this morning. We acknowledge that that is an incredible freedom that we have here. And I pray, Lord, that as we're speaking Today, and, and as we're interacting with one another, Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us. I pray that we would not bring the burdens of our week in with us, although they may be uh, weighty and prominent in the back of our minds. God, I pray that for the next little while, we'd be able to push that off to the side and focus on you, focus on what you would have to say to us. God, help me not to get in the way. I pray that anything that is said this morning would be from you, and if, if I do get in the way, God, I pray that you would do a miracle and make it something that can be used, make it a seed that can be planted in hearts so that we can become more like you by the time we leave this place, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. pray all this in your name. Amen. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Now, to have or experience chazon is to have God reveal himself to us so that we are able to learn to walk in freedom and in the way of Jesus. But similarly to this slow reveal of a hockey card, the, the more that God is revealed to us, the more we actually begin to understand him and the more we begin to understand how valuable and how, how worthy our lives actually are. It's because we're loved by him. It's because it's in God's love that we have our purpose, our joy, our freedom. But before we can fully understand that, we need to be aware of the ways that God actually reveals himself to us so that we can be better suited to be on the lookout for how he may be trying to show himself to us in our everyday lives. So, how does God reveal himself to us? I am so glad you asked. Thank you so much. There are several ways, and we're going to go through them very quickly. The first one is God reveals himself through creation and through nature. This is what Romans 1, 19 to 20 says. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. And then Psalms 8, verses 3 to 9, 
or verses 3 and verses 9 says, When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, and then verse 9 says, O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. God reveals himself to us through his creation. When I was in grade 11 or 16, 17 years old, whatever, our youth at our church, we took a missions trip to the east coast of Canada. If you don't know, I am from Canada. And so we took a, a missions trip out to Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, beautiful part of the world. And from where I lived in Ontario to get to Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, we had to drive through the province of Quebec. And something that you need to know about Quebec is on the, the, along the main highways, there are just tons of waterfalls. You'll see waterfall after waterfall. And for the first time in my life, I'm not really an outdoors nature kind of person. That's not necessarily how I've been wired. But I remember for the first time in my life driving past these incredible scenes of nature and thinking, wow, God, this is gorgeous. This is, this is beautiful. And in that moment, I actually felt a connection to God. Now, that doesn't happen often for me when I'm out in nature. I acknowledge that nature is gorgeous and beautiful, but it's not necessarily a way that I totally connect with God. But in that moment, for whatever reason, felt like God was revealing himself to me in a, in a deeper way based on his creation. God will reveal himself to us through creation and through nature. Second, God will reveal himself through us. You're like, that doesn't make sense. What do, what do you mean by that? Well, there's this drive within each and every one of us to find truth and to find justice. And again, Pastor Tom last week in his message, he was talking about how that's the whole drive of Scripture. It's, it's this journey towards finding justice and truth. And I think sometimes we have that drive within us and we can kind of sabotage it with our own selfish desires to get what we want. But when it's lined up with God, I believe that's actually a revelation that God has created us in his image. That we have this same drive that we, we want to see things put to rights in this world. We want to see justice and truth and mercy. And I believe that that is a way that God reveals himself to us in the way that our hearts and our souls are put together. Paul puts it this way in Romans 2. He says, Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it. You had the people of God, the Israelites, who were given the, the written law from Moses and it was passed down. And, but anybody who was outside of the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, were considered Gentiles. So you and I, if we're not Jewish, we would be considered Gentiles. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. Our conscience, the way that our soul has been created, is a revelation of God to us. Third, God reveals himself through Scripture. This might be a little bit of a no-duh, Thaddeus, like, of course God reveals himself through Scripture, but we need to understand that. I love this Bible plan that we went through, the Bible project, how to read the Bible on uh, version over the last 19 days. Full disclosure, I was behind about four days from everybody. I did finish it, but uh, I started a little bit late. But I was, I felt like I was learning something new every single day that I watched one of their videos about how to read the different literary genres of the Bible. But it was, it was incredible because this Bible project, this, this organization, their whole purpose is to help people understand that the Bible is a unified story that points towards Jesus and the way that he rescues and redeems and restores humanity. And it's this book that is full of God revealing himself to us. 
through uh, the prophetic writings, through the law, through the history, through the gospels, through the letters of the apostles, even through the book of Revelation and apocalyptic literature, God is constantly trying to reveal himself through scriptures. Paul writes this to Timothy, 2 Timothy three fifteen to 17. He says, you've been taught the holy scriptures from childhood and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scriptures inspired by God is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So God reveals himself through creation, through nature, through us, through our conscience, through scripture. You with me so far? Ooh, caught you off guard there. I'm not going to say lastly, because there's many ways that God will reveal himself to us, but lastly for this morning, and I think most importantly, God will reveal himself to us through Jesus Christ. Kind of in a, in a similar way that kids will resemble their parents, Jesus, God's son, resembles his heavenly father, God the Father. He's a revelation to us of who God the Father is in that he acts as God does. In the Gospel of John, John chapter 14, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the way to true life and the way to the Father and, and living in the kingdom of heaven. And he, he's telling them, he says, you know the way to the Father and you know the way to God's kingdom. You know the way to live true life. And Philip is the only bold one in the room to say, hold on, Jesus. Like, you're saying that we know all of this stuff like it's obvious, but, I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, how do we know how to get to the Father? How do we know how to live in a way that we have true life? And Jesus replied, he says, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. God is revealing himself to us through Jesus. One of the most powerful services that I can recall being in, I, I was at a... a youth convention, or maybe it was a, a retreat with our church that we just went away for a week. And I, I forget exactly, but I, I remember the moment because we were having a little bit of, of a response time after the pastor had, had given, given his message. And for a moment, he just kind of stopped the room and he just said, I, want, I just want everybody to close your eyes. And he said, I want you to imagine that you are looking into the eyes of Jesus. And it was this profound moment where we all just took a step back and imagined that we were face to face with Jesus. Now, why did that pastor have us do that? Because Jesus is a re revelation of God the Father. And what Jesus says to and about and for us is exactly what God the Father is saying to, about, and for us. And so if we could get a glimpse of Jesus, then we are actually getting a glimpse of our Heavenly Father, God who is trying to reveal himself to us. So this is great. God reveals himself to us in all of these different ways ways. But what are we supposed to do with this information? Like, what's the point? It's great to know. Okay, good. God reveals himself to us. But why does that matter? Well, let's revisit our verse that I opened with at the top. Proverbs 29, 18. 
Where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. See, God revealing himself to us matters because revelation restores us. Revelation by God restores your life and my life. I'm not sure if you have caught this, but here at Restoration Church, we believe in the fact that God wants to restore things that are broken. Broken societies, broken relationships, whatever is broken, God desires to restore that. And at the heart of that brokenness in our world is broken people, sinful people who are in desperate need of a personal encounter with God the Father who will bring our lives back into wholeness and restoration. God revealing himself to us restores your life, restores my life. In, in Proverbs 29, 18, we see what happens when we live apart from this chazon, this revelation, this vision that God wants to give us. People perish. We lose our way. We make unwise decisions and we find ourselves going further and further and further down a path. We think far from God, but the reality is God is never far from us. But we are turning our backs on him and going in a way that he never called us to go. This is the part of the verse where it talks about people casting off restraint. And this idea of casting off restraint, we also see it in Judges 17, verses, or verse 6. If you know the history of Israel, they, they were led further and further and further astray from mingling with other nations and, and political and religious leaders who pushed them further and further away from God by their practices. And it says, In those days Israel had no king, and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. A couple years back, there was a Cheetos, the snack, Cheetos, a, a marketing campaign that they ran that talked about leaving your mark. Now, in itself, that's a great sentiment. You know, leave your mark, live a life that's worth living, have a legacy, impact those around you. And I mean, when I talk about leaving a legacy, I definitely think about Cheetos. So that, great that they ran this one. But attached to this idea of leaving your mark with this Cheetos advertising campaign was kind of this breakdown of what does leaving your mark look like? And they said to leave your mark, to live a life that, that makes an impact, is to push boundaries and rewrite rules. Now, if you ask me, that sounds a lot like people casting off restraint. We're going our own way. We're doing our own thing. There's maybe a, a way that we're called to live that ensures that we have true life, true joy, true hope, true purpose, true satisfaction. But I'm actually going to push the boundaries, and I'm going to rewrite my own rules because I think maybe there's actually something better. We're casting off restraint. But what if rewriting rules and pushing boundaries, what if that's actually the opposite of what we're invited into? This God of the universe who wants to reveal himself to us, to restore us, what if restoration actually is found in the way that he calls us to live? And that's found within the boundaries of the scripture. That's found within the, the rule of life that we see lived out by Jesus throughout the gospel. What if 
there actually are healthy boundaries and healthy rules that we are called to submit our lives to, and we find that when God reveals himself to us. And this, this isn't a God who's going to uh, put a heavy burden over us. This isn't a God that says, you know, like a, like a ride on a roller coaster, if you don't meet this mark, you can't get on the ride. No, God has so much grace and mercy. He has his Holy Spirit power available for us to live in a way that maybe on our own strength we're unable to. And he says, hey, I actually have boundaries. I actually have a rule of life for you that results in the greatest life possible. And we're, we're afraid. We kind of hold him at an arm's length or, or we try to cast off restraint and say, no, God, I, I think I'm actually going to do my own thing because I don't know if I can trust somebody else. And see, the thing about the revelation of God and him restoring us is it actually requires a letting go. It requires a surrender. And the beautiful thing about God, the beautiful thing about following in the way of Jesus is he says, I, I know your fear. I know that as a human being, you have a tendency to want to push the boundaries and rewrite your own rules. But he says, let, let, me, let me invite you in to the way of Jesus. And trust me, it's, it's not scary. It's not chaotic. In fact, he says this in Matthew eleven twenty nine. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. That word yoke is essentially take my boundaries and my way of life. And let me reveal myself to you. And as you continue to live and grow and mature, let me begin to show you and restore, to you, restore your life to the way that I designed it to be. Let me restore your life to come back into right relationship with me, God the Father says. And he says, it, it's not burdensome. It's light. Doesn't mean it's not challenging at times, but he says it is what will bring you rest for your souls. So you and I, we need a chazon. We need a revelation of God because it restores us. It brings us back into right standing with God. Now, traditionally speaking, this is where we end the service. God's, God's going to restore me. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll come back and we'll see you again next week. But I actually think we do a disservice if we stop with us being the focal point of a Sunday gathering or a small group time. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that we all absolutely need this personal and individual encounter and revelation from God. We absolutely need that. But I don't think we can keep it with us. See, after we have been restored, God is actually wanting to equip us and provide us with what we need so that we can help carry out the mission that God started and Jesus continued thousands of years ago. Now, what is this mission? He wants to restore this world back to Eden. If you went through this Bible project plan with us, oftentimes they talk about bringing the world back to the Garden of Eden, to the perfect conditions that God created the world, where humanity was in right relationship, right standing, with God. God wants to restore you and I, and He wants to reveal Himself to us because He wants to help, He wants to use us to help bring restoration to the world. Revelation restores us so we can help bring restoration to the world. It's great that we have personal 
revelation from God and he restores our lives, but it is so that we can help help bring restoration to the rest of the world. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Jesus said, therefore, this is as he's ascending back into heaven, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, our individual experiences of God revealing himself to us, that is essential. We need it. But I want to encourage you today to not rest in that spot. God's actually inviting you and me to take our experience, to take our faith, to take our renewal, and to help bring back the kingdom of heaven to this earth. And that way of life It's found within some boundaries, and it's found within a way of life that kind of flies in the face of the culture that we live in, that would want to cast off restraint, that would want to leave their own mark by pushing boundaries and rewriting rules. God's actually saying, hey, if you allow me to reveal myself to you, to restore your life, he says, I'm going to bring you on the most incredible journey, the most incredible mission that you could ever embark on. Today is June 19th, and we covered the idea of Father's Day. But June 19th is significant for a, another reason, and that is that today is also called Juneteenth. And Juneteenth marks the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people be freed. The troops' arrival came a full two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. And Juneteenth honors the end of slavery in the United States and is considered the longest-running African-American holiday. And actually, last year, June of 2021, Juneteenth officially became a federal holiday. Confederate General Robert E. Lee had surrendered at a a Pomatox courthouse, and if I pronounce that incorrectly, I apologize, I'm Canadian, but he had surrendered two months earlier in Virginia, but slavery had remained relatively unaffected in Texas. That is until U.S. General Gordon Granger stood on Texas soil and read General Orders Number 3. It said this, The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. The Emancipation Proclamation issued by President Abraham Lincoln on January 1st, 1863 had established that all enslaved people in Confederate states in rebellion against the Union, quote, shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. In Texas, though, slavery had continued as the state experienced no large-scale fighting or significant presence of Union troops. Many enslavers from outside the Lone Star State actually had moved there as they viewed Texas as a safe haven for slavery to continue. After the war came to a close in the spring of 1865, General Granger's arrival in Galveston that June signaled freedom for Texas's 250,000 enslaved people. Although emancipation didn't happen overnight for everyone, celebrations began to break out among the newly freed black people. And Juneteenth was born. That December, 
slavery in America was formally abolished with the adoption of the 13th Amendment. Now, it's heartbreaking to think that despite the Emancipation Proclamation being made in 1863, that for two and a half years, slavery continued. A quarter of a million people remaining in a system that was founded on greed and racism. And even though a victory had been won, it took time before the impact of that victory was experienced by everyone. Now, we know even today as we look at this country and countries around the world, we recognize that there is still a long road before racial inequality is fully realized, before there is a complete restoration here and, and around the world. But the spiritual reality that, that we live in today is that God the Father has won a victory over death, over despair, over slavery to sin, over the enemy, over hell. The proclamation has been made that we are no longer trapped in a life of sin. But some haven't heard that proclamation. Maybe others have ignored it. Or maybe some simply haven't been told by those who know the good news. Ouch. That one even hurts me. But Jesus has been sent as a revelation of God to humanity. And his life and his mission and his mission announces that the kingdom of God and the freedom that it offers is here and available now. The restoration of our broken lives is a possibility. Fear into courage. Brokenness into wholeness. Anxiety into peace, depression into hope, sorrow into joy, broken families mended, challenging job situations resolved, disputes amongst neighbors fixed. God brings restoration to your life and to my life. He restores the brokenness that exists between God and humanity But then beyond that, he wants to invite you and I to help bring restoration to the rest of the world. To help the rest of the world experience that revelation of God to them so that they too can experience restoration. So that they too can come along with this mission to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Do you see this cycle that begins to develop? Jesus, thank you so much that you want to restore us. But thank you that it doesn't end there. God, thank you that you want to restore us to give us a purpose so that we can help to begin to restore this world back to the way it was when you created it, to the right relational standing that existed between humanity and you. God, I'm so grateful that you are a God who chose to make a way that wanted to be near us so that we could have wholeness. Love you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Just in the quietness of this moment, we're going to be wrapping up in a few moments here, but I just want you to close your eyes wherever you're at, and nothing weird is going to happen, I promise. But I want to do, for just the next moment or so, what that pastor did in that service that I was in years ago. I just want you to close your eyes. 
honestly, close your eyes, close your eyes. And, and I want you to imagine that you are face to face with Jesus. And I'm going to go silent for a moment. And for some of us, it might be uncomfortable. For some of us, it might be wonderful. But whatever that moment feels like with your eyes closed as you are imagining your face to face with Jesus, I just want you to imagine what he might be saying to you in this moment. Some of you, you may be feeling what you think is guilt. You may be feeling shame for something that you've done. And and I just want to encourage you that God doesn't operate with guilt and with shame. He operates with conviction, which is simply him identifying an area that he says, hey, let's work together. Some of you maybe felt like God just wanted to speak peace peace over a, a situation that is consuming your thoughts. Maybe he was bringing up an area that you feel like you're lacking in, whether it's financial or some other resource. Or I believe God's just saying, hey, I'm the God of provision. Whatever you were feeling in that moment, if you felt anything, maybe you didn't, and that's okay too. But God wants to restore that situation, that brokenness. And he does that as he continually reveals himself to you. And so this week, I'd encourage you. And this might sound like pastor rhetoric that we just say because that's what we're supposed to say and and preachers just saying what they're supposed to say but I'd encourage you this week to spend intentional time to allow God to reveal himself to you. Maybe for you, you are somebody who connects with the great outdoors. Maybe that's taking a walk. Maybe that's spending some time in in the woods and just allow God's beauty of creation to speak to you. Maybe it's intentionally turning the TV off or or shutting the notifications off on your phone or your computer or, or shutting Netflix down a little bit early and just allowing yourself to be quiet in God's presence so that he can just whisper something into your heart or, or put a picture or a word into your soul. 
Maybe there's a, a renewed commitment that needs to take place to studying the scripture so that you be, can begin to identify the ways that God would maybe want to speak to you through his word. Maybe you got to get up a little bit earlier. Set the alarm a dreaded 15 or 20 minutes earlier than normal or, or go to bed a little bit later just so that you can have that time where you're able to spend it with God so that he can begin to reveal himself to you so that he can begin to restore your life so that he can equip you for the path and for the mission for the purpose that he has for you. God, thank you again that you are in the business of restoration. And I pray, Lord, that as we have been together this week, this weekend and, and this morning, worshiping together and hearing your word, Father, I pray that you would plant seeds in each and every one of our hearts. That we would begin to see the ways that you are trying to reveal yourself to us, God. And that as we recognize those moments that we would begin to experience your restoration of you putting us back together and bringing us back into close intimacy with you. And God, may that spur us on to bring others with us. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray a special blessing over fathers in the house today. God, thank you that you are the ultimate example of what a good, good father is. And for those that have a, a great relationship with their father, I pray that you would allow today to be wonderful and for those that maybe have a strained relationship or, or lack thereof God relationship with their father would you be a comfort to them today Lord and God lastly we also pray for the Brantner family in this wedding today that it would be a day of such joy and celebration pray that you would give Pastor Tom Christy rest as they come out of a crazy crazy season God, we love you. We're so grateful for you, for your love, for your joy. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Well, thanks so much, everybody. So great to see all of you here. Happy Father's Day to our fathers. Don't forget, we have Pops. What was it? Pops cards for Pops or something like that. So don't forget to get one of those. You can check out the tables. There's information. There's baskets for giving. Thanks so much, everybody. God bless.